0: Hi James. Ben, how are you? Long long, long time no talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a little bit shorter than since last week. It's been approximately what, ninety minutes? Uh ninety ninety minutes. I I think fifteen minutes since I last spoke to you, perhaps.
1: Uh we are recording our second take of the podcast this week. <laughs> um I unleashed a great deal of, of vigor. We vigor. <laughs> Shall we say? I uh, and no and no. Don't even email to ask. It's not going to be released. I, I, I'm. I guess I get to be
0: the the lucky person who uh, gets to have experienced this. That and the NSA. It's between us, uh, <laughs> you, me, and them.
1: Oh man. Uh. Yeah. We. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, this podcast, which will actually be aired, is sponsored by Mailchimp. As are all our all-exponent podcasts, MailChimp has been around since 2001. The company actually started as a side project funded by various web development jobs, and now they are the world's leading email marketing platform, sending more than a billion emails a day. MailChimp democratizes technology for small businesses, creating innovative products that empower their customers to grow. And I am one of them. Uh, I use MailChimp for trajectory, and I am very... Happy that they are sponsoring Exponent. Yes,
0: as am I. They're, aw- they're awesome. The product's
1: awesome. And as always, thank you very much, guys. So our topic this week, uh, the, the, in this second take, will be Facebook. Uh, it's funny. We always get a – whenever we talk about Facebook, there's always a few people that, that complain that we talk about Facebook. And one could argue, one could certainly make the case that we, despite that fact, don't talk about Facebook enough.
0: I I I suspect that the amount that Facebook has come up in the news media in the past couple of weeks is uh, maybe testament to that. But either way, I think we're about to test the theory uh, with the next sixty minutes.
1: It's funny because a lot of the stuff that's coming up this week. So there's there's. There's two issues, right? There's the the big issue in the news right now is this this fake news, the people generating content, and uh, the vast majority of the discussion is about generally uh, anti Quinton pro pro Trump content, and the contention that you know this may or may not what, what impact did this have on, on the election? What should Facebook do about it? But that's also kind of inextricably tied into the whole filter bubble problem which we've definitely spent uh quite a bit of time discussing.
0: I I agree. I think it's um I'm really glad you made the point of the distinguishing between the two because right now I think a lot of the coverage is focused on the fake news stuff and I think that is I think that's a very important issue um and uh in many senses it's just plain wrong. It's like almost inexcusable that this is being passed off as as factually correct reporting and people are sharing it without assumption but i i think that the the second point the filter bubble i think that is i think that got a lot more attention early on but more recently it has it's not been getting as much attention and i think the way that facebook's being talked about right now the two issues while you're right they're inextricably linked they are separate things and i and there is a point at which they overlap but i think it's important that we we make it clear that there is a distinction between the two so
1: we can address them properly that that, that's a good call let's let's start out by talking about the fake news but then i do think it's really important to get into why i think they are intertwined Mm. and i i wrote about fake i wrote an article this week called fake news Uh, i i and i did talk about both and in in retrospect i just like the name fake news for an article Mm. like it's just it's so short and catchy but I, I probably should have called it fake news and filter bubbles because I was definitely talking about both of them. But let's 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 do that. Let's let's talk about them separately and then talk about how they're tied together and kind of the broader the the, the broader points about that. It sounds like a plan. So the fake news, uh, this actually came up, it started really being um, a topic. I think where it really started entering the consciousness was a few months ago after Facebook, basically the, there was the whole trending topics brouhaha last Mm. last year about you know claims about liberal bias by this team of contractors that was that was creating headlines for trending topics which is a dumb section that only existed because facebook was irritated that twitter was known for for where people talk about present news and but that's neither here nor there and in response facebook's solution was to fire the whole team and just do it algorithmically and within like a day of them doing that like there was a fake news article that bubbled up into the training topics and that kept happening uh, again and again a few weeks later uh, buzzfeed had an article about all these this, this group of people in this town in macedonia that figured out they could make a bunch of money by basically copying and pasting uh, they weren't actually creating stuff whole cloth. They were copying and pasting from other sites. That was all. Most they found they could get the most traction again with with Trump supporters, and they could make money on on ads on on their pages. And it was this whole operation. And then it's really kind of snowballed since then. Uh, there was the you know, an interview in the Washington Post with with the guy who actually created this stuff, just would just, just make stuff up, and and now it's kind of been this debate that's sort of been raging over the last over the last week about. This problem and what Facebook should do about it. So I think an obvious place to start is uh, you. You already mentioned it, but just to make super clear, James, do you think f- fake news is a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it's it's clearly
0: like it's clearly inexcusable. The filter bubble stuff is bad, but it's understandable. Like the 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 idea that you can create fake news is just. <clears throat> It, it's, it was interesting. So the, the, you mentioned the Washington Post article with the guy that, that has been doing a bunch of it, not the Macedonians, but this other folk, this other person and he he almost sounds reticent about it now uh but it was interesting him like watching him talk about it and almost the cognitive dissonance that he thought that he would be able to create these articles and then they would be it would be possible to like it, people would share them and then it would become clear that they were they were fake and that the people who shared them would be discredited as a result of that sharing fake news like It's ridiculous. Like anyone who does this would, would publicly shamed. And he was saying that what was stunning to him was just the extent to which these things would gain traction and people would share them. And even if it became clear to some folks that this was clearly fake, that that it would just keep going regardless. And the idea that, you know, like an informed citizenry is like a critical part of a functioning democracy. And if people are starting to, read things that are clearly not true, like f- f- just stepping back from a properly functioning society point of view, like that is a really bad thing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, how, I mean it's, how can you form any sort of commonality or come to any sort of compromise or, or anything, even if you have dis- you know, different viewpoints, if you don't agree, there's no basis on, on which to agree on. And I think it's really interesting to kind of trace back how we got here like mm. how we got to the place where this could happen because i think what you, what what it's going to show is it, it's a lot of um understandable choices in the moment and broader sort of economic forces that no one's really responsible for but has landed us in mm. in, in the spot that we are yeah so you go back you know like 30 40 years ago b- before the internet and particularly 40 50 years before cable tv like everyone's got their news from the same very small set of sources. I mean, in the U.S., you had the broadcast networks. I mean, this would be mostly U.S. centric, but I think it probably applies. You, you could could <clears> apply <throat> broadly. Yep. U.S. You got got it from uh, CBS, ABC, NBC. Had nightly newscasts. You had the local newspaper in your town, uh, and then you, the the kind of three national papers were the New York Times, the, the Wall Street Journal, and then the USA Today, which kind of came along later, but but got, got a lot of distribution and. There were always been complaints. I think it really picked up in like the 70s and 80s among conservatives about liberal bias at, at these amongst the news. And the the key thing though is that they were still reading the same stuff that everyone else was, right? And there there may have been challenges about is this true or not, or this mm. is biased or the reality is different. But the foundation of the argument and the debate was Based on the same foundation, like everyone was sharing, th- th- there was a commonality between everyone, which is that everyone was re- reading the same news or, or, or seeing the same news every night. And and generally speaking, that
0: was mostly predicated on factually correct material as well.
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't covered, Right. I mean, we, we, we talked about it this summer. I mean, like the like violence against uh, African-Americans, for example, or, or the, the disparate use of force or the way, you know, like none of that stuff was covered in the newspapers. And it, 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 like, this is a whole thing. You, like, you look back, well, the 1950s were so wonderful. Well, they're wonderful if you're white and male. I mean, like there, there, there was a – it's one of those things like why it's so hard to look backwards. You, it's easy to remember the good stuff. And what you don't see is the stuff that no one saw and uh, that was certainly the case here but i mean right now we uh, i think we are just to acknowledge that i think the the point here is there was a there was a positive outcome of everyone reading the same stuff which is we had a basis for debate and discussion that was shared so i i said that at least i mean my point about the newspapers
0: was at least most of what was reported was factually correct and um your your point around things not being covered Is really interesting, and I hadn't really considered that before. That in the past, that the uh, if you if you describe uh, fake news as a sin of commission, that you could describe not covering events that uh, for whatever reason might be unpalatable to readers as a sin of omission. It's interesting that that existed
1: way back then. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even just because it would upset readers. It was because most. The editors and reporters for for the news were all white and male too. There were things happening that they didn't, by virtue of the world they lived in, in the in the in the viewpoint they had, they didn't even know about. And so, and so you you fast forward, and I think I'm glad we we kind of touched on that because I think that's going to provide some really useful sort of framing and context mm. f- about the world as it is today. But we'll get there. So so what happened is – and this is something that we've talked about at length. I've, I've written about extensively on strategy is the breakdown in the newspaper business model where the, the – I mean all – the reason there was only seven or eight on, on a national basis and then the, the local newspapers, which all the cities had their own local newspapers, was the – was distribution. You had to own a printing press. You had to own delivery trucks. You had to own broadcast spectrum. Like you – and all these things – Resulted in a monopoly in sort of in, in sort of the news, which again, definite negatives. But the positive was everyone, the, like the very definition of monopoly is there's only one supplier, right? Or an oligopoly, I guess it would be a better way to put it, yeah. a limited number of suppliers, which provided a sort of basis for our politics, for our discussion that that everyone sort of operated on.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I, we've talked about how the. The, the nature of podcasting like it's so instructive for me to think about how podcasting has just opened things up uh in terms of there are there's an infinite addressable audience and so it's easy to find the niche so it's 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 incumbent on folks like you and I to like find something that a few folks somewhere around the world are going to find really interesting. Whereas if you think about radio, the previous generation of what this is, it was geographically constrained. And so what you would do is it, because a population could only support so many channels, you would tend towards the middle as opposed to tend towards the extremes.
1: It's it's the exact opposite, right? Today, yeah. in a world of of massive supply, which we got to because what happened? D- the distribution went away. Once yeah. the internet came along, the entire the entire winch pin of the news business model fell apart. Mm-hmm. Now you could read anything, and not only could you read the new york times the wall street journal or or the broadcast networks there's no cable networks you could read foreign news sources you could watch the bbc you mm-hmm. could you could read any newspaper in the country you could also read blogs you could read and and there was a, a real flowering of a partic- particularly in politics um also also in tech and but but in politics there was a real flowering of, of all kinds of blogs and it was it was a the sort of 2000 sort of period was this vibrant sort of ecosystem of blogs from all kinds of viewpoints that was f- you know f- certainly I can speak for myself very intellectually stimulating and rewarding and see- really getting to see points of view that you didn't see in the in, in the newspaper it's like when you went what, what, what happened though it was starting to fall apart we weren't to the day we were here what happened was I've, I, there's a, a talk I give, and one of my examples that I like to talk about is is the difference between Yahoo and Google. And Yahoo, when it started, was literally a hand curated list of websites, and they direct. And if you want, there was like the news category, and they'd have a link to the New York Times, they'd have a link to the Wall Street Journal, and they have a link to you know whatever paper, whatever paper it might be, and when Google came along, the difference wasn't just that the search was so much, Google was about finding web pages, not finding websites. Mm. And it would, if Google, if you did a search for Google and it delivered you to the front page of the New York Times, is like somewhere in here is the answer you need, it, it it wouldn't have succeeded. What was so powerful was it actually delivered you the actual page of information that you wanted. And what happened was you started to have this, and this is why I talk about in aggregation theory, how, how, how the person that owns the sort of discovery and owns the user relationship, what happens is the suppliers end up modulizing and ends up commoditizing themselves and breaking up into disparate pieces being a bundle no longer makes sense because people aren't looking for a bundle they're looking mm-hmm. for a specific piece of information mm-hmm. and so this is you kind of had the shattering of news from being delivered in bundles to being delivered into individual component pieces and that only furthered the competition that came from like blogs and all the other news sources because why a blog post, is the exact same thing as a news article in the New York Times, from the perspective of in a web browser, they render the same, they look the same. The fact that one is is also linked to internally a sports section d- doesn't matter. Like it's the same sort of thing, and, and and it was, and like there was great outcome. It was it was the the best sort of democratization from a certain perspective. I you know it's funny
0: and. I'd never really considered it that way, that, that, that the distinction between the two search engines, it's, uh, the the articulation that you just made of the difference between the two search engines of understanding. Well, I mean, just, just just to be
1: super clear, I mean, like Yahoo became a search engine that delivered you pages, just not very good, except when they use Google. And, but it, I'm just like the start of Yahoo. Like the Yahoo started as a directory, right. not as a search engine. If, and, just, and sorry, just I just want to clarify that.
0: No, no, no. But even still, thinking about the distinction and how search evolved, going from that delivering you to a URL or delivering you to like a home page versus delivering you to the... The specific article that you were looking at, I hadn't considered it like that. It's um, it is uh very. It's really
1: interesting, and the the effects that that then had. Um, right. Well, it, but it was it was. I mean, so you had all these new news sources, and they were all equal, right? In a browser, everyone is equal. Mm-hmm. Like for for lack of a way to put it, as opposed to before the internet, when one was a bundle of papers that was delivered to your doorstep and the other was if you wanted to find some crank with an alternate point of view like like you're gonna i'll I'll subscribe to your newsletter right (laughs) or whatever whatever it might be however you still had to you still had to go and get it right And, and so Yes, you could find new viewpoints and new places on the web, but you had to go and find those pages. And you maybe you followed links from other bloggers or whatever it might be. But there was an aspect of – there was a sort of active investment in the reader to go and find sources of information. Mm. And if you wanted to have a reader come back, you had to th- – make sure you were worthy of having the reader come back. Like If you want them to bookmark you to not just follow a link once, you, you had to earn, you had to earn trust just like any other, anyone else that would have to earn trust. No, totally. That makes sense. So, so that was the first shift is kind of the beyond the breakup of the news generally, but then the sort of the, the Yahoo Google shift into where you started getting this commoditization. You had these individual pages, all these individual, individual pieces, the big shift from, Google to Facebook was a different one. Google had already broken up news and publications and all those things into its component atomic sort of pieces. The difference is on Google, you had to go get it. You put in a term in Google and you went and got a piece of information. And the incentives there were by and large good. I mean, people try to game Google. People still try to game Google for sure. But ideally, you went to Google because you wanted – the best source of information for the topic you're interested in, Google wanted to give you the best source of information for the topic that you're interested in, which meant that Google's suppliers were incentivized to provide the best source of information so they could rank first at Google. I mean, again, people game this and did SEO strategies and all that sort of stuff, but by and large, that was the incentive structure for for, for Google. Mm. Facebook, on the other hand, is instead of you going to get something, it, the the flow of information is reversed. It's the opposite of Google. It's not the user initiating and going out to get something and Google getting it and bringing it back to you. It's Facebook feeds – like it's literally called a feed. Like Facebook feeds you information. You don't open Facebook to do something. You open Facebook because you're bored. And uh, it's oh, – yeah the the
0: very nature of the difference between so it's interesting the progression like we've got yahoo google and now facebook and this this notion with uh yahoo to google you're going from the top level domain to an individual article uh but there's still a degree of an individual going out there and looking for something i am i am searching for something i'm interested in something i want to find out the best the the best piece of information or the, the most relevant piece of information about this individual topic. But that notion of switching from uh, a pull where I pull it in to push, which is what Facebook is now doing, completely changes the nature of the relationship with how the user engages with information, which I find super interesting. And I hadn't thought about it until you framed it in that way. And What I think is super concerning is that it has shifted the prioritization of the creators of news. Whereas before, the way you described it with... um, with people who are creating in the world of Yahoo and Google, the, the prioritization, the thing that I'm interested in is, uh, yeah, there's, like you said, there's always some element of gaming, but fundamentally, the thing that would get you to the top is that you had the most trustworthy, like the most informative, the thing that people link to the most. Like this was, this was considered like the best information out there. But you're not, when you're not actively searching for things, on facebook like when things are just being pushed to you it's the the what they're looking to prioritize are are things that keep you engaged on the platform it's not about giving you the best piece of information it's about the thing that's most likely to make you click and it's on some level it's i still find it conceptually super cool that the that that uh, the things that engage you now, it's news is competing with news about friends or pictures of cute videos or whatever. Like I, I think that idea is super cool. But from the perspective of the news creator, it's a, a lot more concerning because it's now prioritizing, I wanna create, it, it's, it's lending itself to clickbaity headlines. It's lending itself to worse than that. It's lending itself to people creating entire business models and, out of fake news because they they know that getting people's blood boiling is what's going to get them to engage and that's going to fit into Facebook's business model and then they're going to get money as a result of that and it creates this uh, – I mean, I, I, like this is this is what's driving so much of the behavior that you talked about in this article. Like this is what's this is what's causing people to engage with the fake news. It's what's creating the environment for the fake news to exist.
1: The, the key phrase that you just said and, and just from an ad, looking at this analytically is fit into Facebook's model. Yeah. Because – so, I mean, step back what I've talked about with aggregation theory. Like, what, what's the idea? You get a critical base of users and that leads you to acquire – to modulize your suppliers because they, they, they need to fit in. And Facebook is the is the most perfect example of this. What did Facebook do? Facebook digitized your friends and family, the relationships with your friends mm-hmm. and family, which is – it's common to everyone. Like that, that that's why Facebook is the monster that it is because everyone wants to connect with their friends and family. Oh, I, I mean, generally speaking, like I said before, I think the reason Silicon Valley took a long time to really understand Facebook's power is because they're all running away from their friends and family. <laughs> but but by and large, like that's the that's the most common human condition, right? And Facebook had that. Well. Face, that meant Facebook started getting more and more attention because people wanted to, to get into that. If you're a media company that needs attention so you can sell ads against it, like you wanted to get a piece of that, which meant you would put yourself on Facebook. Facebook didn't go recruit news companies to be on Facebook. I mean live video side like they, they didn't go they, they wanted to be there because that's where people were. But then what happened was now you're on Facebook and not only do you have friends and family, you also have interesting content, which means you spend more time on Facebook, which further increases the pressure on publishers to put their stuff on Facebook, make make it better for Facebook, more interesting on Facebook. And you get this virtuous cycle where Facebook's experience becomes ever more compelling for the users, which means it commands more attention, which increases the pressure for the facebook suppliers in this case media companies to put content on facebook and to fit into that and and it it gets bigger and bigger and more and more powerful like that that's aggregation theory in, in a nutshell and the the critical thing here is because suppliers are totally they've already been broken into atomic pieces like google google accomplished that and now their business model's destroyed so they need money right and so they are heavily incentivized Basically, they have no choice but to fit themselves into the Facebook model to the maximum degree possible because that's, that's how they can scrape out a few pennies as, as, as a commodity supplier. And, and that's exactly it. It's, so what is Facebook's goal? Facebook's goal is increasing engagement. Why? So you spend more time on Facebook. The more time you spend on Facebook, the more ads you can see. The more time you spend on Facebook, the less time you can spend on competing services, which might be Facebook competitors. So what does Facebook prioritize? Stuff that people like, stuff that people interact with, so they share, they click on. So if you're a publisher and you want a share of that attention, what do you do? You make stuff that people like, that people interact with, that people will click on. And it's it's no one – no one is doing this on purpose there's no like plan about this this is the this is that's the thing about about aggregation theory it's it's what happens it's the natural outcome of one company getting that commanding initial lead in users and then basically having a virtuous cycle take over and and
0: like the the what it does from the perspective of the the publishers too is, and the, the incentives that it drives with them, like Facebook's incentives
1: become their incentives.
0: Right. And, and, uh, and, and the incentive is create engagement. And I think the, the previous, you talked about, uh, the intellectual stimulation that you got from finding these blogs in the early two thousands where it all sprung up and the the incentive there was, Create that best information, create that sense of trust. Like what would come, what would cause people to come back is like, this is a really good source of information. I'm going to come back here. Or even in the Google era, like if you were, if you're considered a reliable, reliable purveyor of this information and you've got lots of people linking to you, authoritative sources linking to you, then your search results go up. So there was this sense of trust that was, that was built into the system in order order for people to become successful when you were still in the pull model but what's what's happened is under the push model all of that for better or for worse has has gone away it's literally don't care about trust everyone's everyone's ferociously scraping over each other to create the piece of content that gets the most clicks that gets the most engagements that gets gets the most um that, that that gets the most shares and the human beings with all their fallacies and, and and all the things that we the traps mental traps we fall into, things like confirmation bias and it it leads us it leads the door so wide open it's its it creates such a fertile environment for people just to start pushing out this stuff that isn't true because whether it's true or not, people are going to click on it because it already confirms it confirms what they
1: already think. Right, I mean because the ch- issue isn't that Facebook is immoral. They're not it's that they're amoral. Yeah. It's that they they don't have a point of view. And and, and I mean uh not to be that guy, but <laughs> we we debated this like a, a year ago. Like because the, the initial concern, right, is that Facebook is so powerful, what happens if they if they abuse that power? I you know, after that after that discussion,
0: I started to write an article and it was, it was around the same time that the free basics thing was happening in India where, where zuckerberg was very much using his resources to push a political agenda in india but the political agenda was relating specifically to facebook's business so he was he was trying to get free basics adopted in india and there was all the pushback in india around net neutrality and it was at this point in time that i sat down and started to try to write an article basically saying that uh drawing a parallel between rupert murdoch and mark zuckerberg that that they both amassed these vast empires of attention. People like go to them to get a lot of news. They have this incredible degree of control over their respective companies. And seeing what Zuckerberg had done in India, it it made me realize that he could, do, like they they started to put little buttons on the top of Facebook pages for Indian users to say, you know, email your local member. And it, it was like, oh man, I wonder if, I wonder if Zuckerberg is becoming the new Rupert Murdoch. But you know what the, the last 2 weeks has made me realize that I was completely wrong about that because whereas Murdoch is very like you 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 read him or you listen to him talk about this stuff, he loves being the kingmaker. He loves getting in there talking to talking to the players, deciding which one he's going to support. And then figuring out the strategy inside all of the different media publications around how he's going to make sure that, that his guy gets to the top. Like, that's not Zuckerberg at all. Like, in terms of. And it almost relates to that point that we, we talked about earlier about commission versus omission. Murdoch and his support for one side of politics has always been a, a specific decision, it's been an active decision. Whereas, any any benefit that one side of politics or the other got from Facebook this election, it wasn't because Zuckerberg did something. It was the opposite. It was because Zuckerberg did nothing. Like Facebook did nothing. They just let uh, they let the algorithm decide around what it was that people wanted to click on. and And that prioritization of just letting whatever drove the most engagement, that's what – that's – that's what that's what we've been talking about these past 2 weeks that's what happened these past 2 weeks and it's so it's so different from murdoch and yet i would argue that that zuckerberg or well, facebook now has more influence than than murdoch ever did at any point in history
1: well no for sure and, and that's and that's the you know that's the concern right like the it, do we really, you know, there, there's a, like, the outcomes are super clear. And the the thing that you've been right about all along, and I would actually argue about Facebook, you've been more right than me. Like, I was right about th- this specific point in that Facebook, yes, Facebook had this power, but the incentives were so powerful for them to not abuse it that they would not. And I think that's, you know, I think that's been proven totally true, right? right? They, yes. they, are, they do not want to offend anyone. They do not want to give any sort of, you know, idea that they're not neutral. We saw their in my opinion dramatic overreaction to the whole trending topics thing that that we referenced before. Mm. And so I think I've been proven very right on this explicit topic. But I think from a more sort of uh, not implicit is not the word, but a more sort of big picture you've been proven right about Facebook a- and that there is something deeply problematic about this company and, and what's so nefarious about it and the reason why I think I missed it is the nefariousness is to your point it's in the sins of omission not in the sins of commission mm. it's what they don't do and the problem and, and, but th- this is th- this is why it's so challenging is all, all those fears are still there The the Facebook's power is still a real thing Like, do we, are we sure? Like, are you really sure? You just spent the last year worrying about Facebook abusing its power. So do you want Facebook to start using its power?
0: No, I mean it's a rhetorical question. Of course not. It's just so funny that the way that the human mind works, because for for us to be, and I I was guilty of it. Like you said, like for for me to be able to effectively, well, not effectively, but for me to feel comfortable mounting the argument that there was something wrong about this, I needed to put a, I needed to put someone at the at the dials, pulling the dials in some nefarious way. As opposed to something that we've, I feel that we've traditionally been pretty good at, which is stepping back from the whole thing and looking at the system and the way that the incentives play out and the behavior that it encourages. And it's easy to see the negative effect. And there's research that exists, the negative effect it has on individuals using the platform and their sense of self worth and like what they, what, how they feel their life is doing. But what we missed was that just by focusing on engagement, that could be having that the, the system itself is wired up to have this effect, as opposed to it being the the more traditional Murdoch kind of like pushing the buttons and getting the result I want, and that's not what's happening at all. But it's almost worse that the system is like having a system designed to to so solely focus on this one. Outcome variable is almost worse than having an individual sitting inside the system pulling the levers. An individual couldn't do it as effectively, I don't think.
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to quibble with your we uh, with your with your pronoun use a little okay. <laughs> a little bit there. I mean, I I th- I think that it would be it would be worse if there were an individual. And I, so I've always agreed with you that the I if someone were to actively be putting their thumb on the scale with regard to the Facebook algorithm and systematically controlling information and what people see which i mean you you you're usually the first one to you know to bring up the sort of chinese example or something like that but uh, like i think that is a very terrifying reality that i am exceptionally concerned about i mean the 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 more powerful the more powerful the 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 potential for abuse the more i'm concerned about 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 that, I think though, where I, where I think I definitely got wrong, and I think you were right about your unease about the platform in general, and I think the specific part where now I'm completely on board with your unease is the, yeah, the unintended consequences, the side effects of this. I mean, there's a certain there's a certain sort of like relief that Facebook's only com- only concerned about engagement, right? Like that was my argument all along. It's like, oh, yeah, I was right. Facebook's only concerned about engagement. But I was like, "Oh crap! Facebook's only concerned about engagement," and like, in some respects, like at least it's a like I said, it's relatively amoral. Like mm. they're just tr- trying to prove the bottom line. But that doesn't mean we don't have to deal with 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 the effects of it. And I absolutely agree. I, I
0: I just can't help but wonder whether the reason so my part of the disease of the with the platform is driven by is also driven by the extent to which it's so. Uh, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Like it's so, it's become so interwoven into people's lives. Like there are folks in the developing world. You can read articles about how they are unable to distinguish between the internet and Facebook. And it's obviously not like that in the developed world, but it's trending in that direction. And I think the thing that I think the and and maybe it's different now that they've reached that point that if someone decided to take the wheel at the point of the machine getting to the size that it has that you could get to some of the nefariousness but I don't I think part of the reason it's been so successful relative to of fox news or relative to or relative to like any individual media property or media owner in the past is that it's that focus on engagement and that's driven a level of customization for each user that means that when they pick they pick it up it's like their own their own like this is exactly what i want to see this is this is tailored to me and that is a very very Uh, sticky addictive product and I I actually I would actually now start to take I I wonder whether I've I've come around a little bit more on yours like if someone started pulling the dials on this uh, and deciding what was getting into the into the feed from a news perspective people would start to see things that they didn't agree with and it would make them less likely to want to continue to engage with the platform.
1: Yeah, when well, if if news ever got out, right? The the yeah. the, the credibility would would be ruined. Well, it, so this is where I think this is why it, you can't ultimately divorce the fake news question from the filter bubble question. Mm. Because the the reason I think f- the reason fake news is on Facebook, I'm not convinced that fake news is changing people's minds. Like I don't think some people were going to vote for Clinton because they saw fake news. Decide decided to vote for Trump or or or, or vice versa. What I think suspect happen is that people who were already vociferously on one side and not going to change their minds saw a piece of news that confirmed everything they already believed to be true, and then they shared it and and, and pushed it out and. And this is why, like this is why they're they're inescapable parts of each other. The entire reason why fake news can exist is one: you had the atomization of content, you had the breakdown into individual pieces, and Facebook has taken that to the extreme, right? It's not just a web page; it's a it's an item; it's a picture, right? On Facebook, you can have a picture. You can have a cat meme. You can have a an engagement announcement, and you can have a piece of news, and they're all the exact same in the feed. There is no one that's better or worse than the other. They're they're, they're atomized pieces of content, and you and it will deliver what you say you want, and, and 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 build on that. And so this is why you can't. I don't think you can break them up.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, you're right, and I, I, I would, um. I completely agree with that characterization actually. I and this is part of the reason why I think it's 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 uh it's valuable to have distinguished them at the start even though they are so deeply intertwined because I think you're spot on. The the, the fake news is um you're feeding red meat to the true believers already. I think it's the filter bubbles that are actually the the much more destructive the the much more destructive uh uh element of this from a societal perspective because that's stopping that's that's breaking down the the commonality that you described at the beginning of the episode when you're in wisconsin or wherever it was like there was uh uh the 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 the, the shared basis for having the discussion existed and people were talking to each other but the the filter bubble is not only it's it's separating out it's separating out the news sources so you you get that confirmation bias but the things that you you're likely to uh, that you're you're not likely to agree with like facebook's categorized you by your political views and it's it's never the twain shall meet like you don't see what the other side is saying or if you do it's through this lens of of your own political views and people get um
1: they get radicalized they get they, yeah, they, they get it,
0: polarized exactly i i mean it's i once heard i once heard it described that uh, New York City, like uh, one of the reasons, it's obviously been uh, pretty big in this this recent election, with both of the candidates hailing from, to one extent or another, hailing from that city. But I I once heard that the the reason that that city is so great is that the 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 person who cleans the building and the person who owns the building are uh, ride to work on the same subway or they walk the streets together. It's for better or for worse, people are on top of each other and they see the human condition that other folks live in. Like it removes that isolation. And I, I almost feel like that uh, so much of what's happened over the, the last 20 or 30 years in terms of economic inequality has been breaking that down across the country, has been creating barriers between people so whether it's folks living in gated communities or or whatever it is like there' have been all these these elements where uh, if you're in one social strata you don't have to be exposed to another one and what scares me the most about all of this is that Facebook's taking that from the physical world into the into the realm of information where we're separating out uh, people are uh, like you you don't that there's no news or information equivalent of riding the subway together and seeing how the other side lives. And for for all the wonderful things that the internet has done, and again, the radio one is the one that clicks for me. Like I I am I consider myself blessed that I can get on the phone and do this with you every week. But the negative side of it is like. The, the the one source of information, like the one newspaper or the three newspapers or the three TV channels that kind of kept people converged in the middle, that's being completely torn apart. And there's no co- – the, the commonality between people, which is a big part of what this country was built on, like that's
1: being ripped apart with it. <laughs> yeah, no, f- completely. I mean, what's interesting to think about it is th- – th- the business, the other other piece, another piece of the of the business model here, is that you know you take something like an iPhone, for example, right? You have mm. to actually build an iPhone, and and that you have to do it at scale for it to be profitable. You have to build a bunch of iPhones that are all the exact same, right? Mm. And so everyone, and so the way the the thinking that goes into the product is it has to be broadly appealing to a lot of people. The the difference is that. A web page or a Facebook feed has zero marginal cost. The cost to produce a unique web page is zero, right? I mean, obviously, you need lots of fixed costs in the front end to create the algorithms and the capabilities and the server farms to generate that. Mm. But but the actual production of a page is zero. And if you think about it, if if you could have the exact phone that you want, like there's all this brouhaha about people aren't happy about Apple's MacBook. Choices, right? Or there's always complaints with the iPhone. I mm. want bigger battery. I want this or whatever. If you could have your perfect device, no matter what, like that would be awesome, right? Wh- who wouldn't want that? And it turns out, if something is on the web, when it's when it's no marginal cost, you can do that. That's what Facebook does. It gives you exactly what you want. But it, it's 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 these. What are the second order and third order implications of that 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 are only really becoming apparent and the problem is like it's it's really hard to fix because if you accept the premise like we can say fake news is bad they should ban it okay Mm -hmm. well i'm sure there's some obviously bad ones that could be fixed right but the line between what's clearly fake and what is what is misleading for example where's that line like, how far that slope do you want to go? Who decides? One, just fake news in itself, I think editing it is going to be harder than it means. But but, but I, ag- I actually agree if there is a relatively clear and transparent way to do it, Facebook should do that, and they should be transparent about it. That's an ongoing problem with the company. But the problem is, once you appreciate that fake news is inextricably tied up with the filter bubble problem, I think the... Thinking about how to fix it gets way more complicated because you can see and acknowledge, and I do see and acknowledge, and I've written about it m- multiple times now. We've talked about it. it has been an ongoing theme in our podcast, as our, as our complainers <laughs> will note. This, this problem of people seeing, living in their own world, right? I mean, Facebook, I, I think I mentioned this in a podcast a ago, Facebook bought Oculus, right? You can put on a headset and you can disappear in your own world. That, that's what Facebook already does. Facebook creates your own reality for you, just for you in in the app and you can go in there and you and you and you can go, be, be in your happy place. But a happy place is a place where you're not challenged. A happy place is a place where you're shown what you want to see. And the problem is do you change that by the most powerful entity in the history of media telling people what they ought to think, showing them what they ought to see? That has its entire universe of problems all, all all its own yeah i i mean it's it's
0: it's it's almost it's scary to to think about when you do, when you frame it like that it's scary and th- this notion that <laughs> it's it's funny when you frame it in terms of the the zero marginal cost and and thinking about it in terms of news and like people getting in their own little virtual bubbles, it it reminds me, I mean, I'm going to skip the obvious reference to the matrix, but it reminds me actually of in Minority Report, I remember people sitting on the train with their newspapers and it was like a super sophisticated looking iPod and digital news. And you'd you'd look at that and however many years ago it was now, I would look at that and I would think, oh, wow, that is like going to be such an obvious use of of technology and the way that newspapers evolve. Like I don't need to read about the things I'm no longer interested in. I can tell the paper what it is that I'm interested in and I just get those articles. But the, the second order effect of that, where everybody has their own version of reality. And like you said, like it's the stuff that keeps people engaged the most. And I, uh, again we're subject to these uh these fallacies like all these mental heuristical traps that we will fall into that that mean that the things that we're most likely to click on, the things that we're, we're happy with, the things that make us happy, at least in the short run. I mean, it's, we mentioned the, the sugar stuff last week. It's like we'll take the quick hit of sugar, but we'll avoid the stuff that's necessarily good for us. And the second order effect of this zero marginal cost, everything being personalized and then everybody disappearing into their own little bubble, it's, it's really kind of scary, and it's only really been brought
1: into relief in the last couple of weeks, the way it's playing out. Right. But, but it, it, I mean, and I guess this is my – this is a frustration I have, is that the this reality is a reality that is that – is part and parcel of the internet right i mean it, it, everything about this is is made possible by, by by the internet and you know i wrote one of my first pieces that i think um it was a piece called friction this idea that the fundamental thing to understand the internet is the removal of friction and my mm-hmm. conclusion was that th- there is no guarantee that that's going to be a good thing right friction stops good things like having more points of view, like being able to listen to a podcast you really enjoy instead of like top 40 radio, like mm-hmm. being like being exposed to the lived reality of African Americans, United States. And that shows that actually no things like things are getting better. Like the past was not so great. Those are all wonderful, fantastic things, but it doesn't mean that everything's wonderful and fantastic. Like there are things that are, that are, that are lost. I remember what you were, I mean, the
0: context in which, uh, I mean, maybe it wasn't at the time, but I recall that article the most was in talking about the, the national security apparatus and the ability for all the information like it being so simple for someone to just come along and vacuum up all the information and then all of a sudden the NSA is able to record every phone call or see every text message like as snowden snowden described it as like watching the ideas form as they're being typed out now that the the friction Friction when you look back at east East Germany and that their Stasi that was a good thing and it, it, there's a pretty strong argument to be made that not having that friction now is is really
1: a bad thing well but 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 again it's it's amoral just like what has happened with mm. facebook I would argue is amoral it, it is a fact yes that we live in a world without friction and uh, what what i i think should be what has been for me has been very. I've done a lot of soul searching over the last week. Um, part of which is why we're re-recording this podcast. <laughs> but but is, I mean, I, I am a massive winner in this world, right? I mean, not only do I get to live in another country, but like my livelihood, like I get to like be on the internet and like write stuff, and like people can can from all the world can can read it. Like I I am a huge winner, and. I think really thinking through and coming to grips with I've intellectually been in touch with the downside of this stuff of the internet but to 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 really hold it in your hands and to move it around and really think through it's it's something that's very real and I think something for us as an industry to really to really take seriously right I mean like we're breaking stuff, and we're and the bias that it's all going to be ok is not is not a healthy one because it's not true. You can't just break stuff. You have to actively make sure that what is built in its place is better. And, Again, I don't think Facebook did anything wrong here. And again, you can argue that Facebook did the right thing. That's what I've argued previously. I've said, thank goodness they're not interfering in the feed. And they won't interfere in the feed because the the incentives are in place. And I was right. But I was totally wrong. So I was right in in a commission sort of way. I was actively right in what I was saying. What I was totally wrong about was an omission sort of thing. I didn't think through the implications of that. What does it mean that Facebook does not have a viewpoint? What does it mean that Facebook's totally neutral, and is totally focused on engagement? I praise that. I said that's fine. They're gonna be a. They're gonna be. You know. Yes, they're the most powerful person in media, but they're not gonna abuse it. Yay. But they created the conditions for this abuse. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 uh, <laughs> the the the
0: whole idea that uh, and. Uh, to be fair, and I think this is probably a view you subscribe to as well, this idea that Facebook caused the election result to be the way it is, I, th- I think that's false. I think there are other things that are very much at work. Yes. But that being said, it did have – I can't help but think that it being a one of the primary mechanisms through which Americans get their news sources, I can't help but think it had a very – outsized influence in what happened and the idea that that <laughs> that that happened with them not actively doing anything rather just letting the machine run the way it's been designed to run is kind of a mind-boggling thought
1: well uh, see I, I don't th- see I, I push back on that a, a little bit and and again I might be biased because of my previous positions or whatever but I I think Facebook further radicalize people who are already going to vote one way. I don't think it 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 changed things. Again, I might be wrong. I know I've seen the articles about the top twenty fake articles being shared way more than the top twenty news articles, even though, you know, who knows how long those tails are, I think, is a is a big problem with problem with that. But I I'm hesitant to to go there and and I'm hesitant to go there not just because I in and of itself question whether it's true. I'm very hesitant to go to a place where, oh, look, we finally found our scapegoat. Mm. We finally found it's Mark Zuckerberg's fault, because we've the other big thing. This podcast is like we're like the pod, we say tech and society. We're Facebook and in inequality. We this is the other <laughs> thing for this industry. Like we we are benefits we are beneficiaries of an of an of an unequal world of an in inextric or in, i'm mixing up my inextricate words a uh, a uh, a world that is by definition unequal I, I talked about this last week i mean you go back to the industrial revolution like when when karl marx came along right what well, was the whole thing capital versus labor the mm. issue is that you know capital would get a much greater return and and you know labor could, could 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 never match that it was it was unequal that's taken to the Extreme by the internet. I just talked about the the iPhone. Like the iPhone is a product of the industrial world, right? Apple puts in a lot of capital to build these phones, and then they they can sell them and and. But they employ a lot of labor along the way, at least right? Apple employs hundreds of thousands of people around the world, directly or indirectly, and they are by and large good jobs. I mean, Mike Mike Daisy's wrong. Like people, these are good jobs in China. They're jobs that people want, and and. And China, as we've talked about, has been lifted out of poverty. And it's been in a, because of not just Apple, but all these sorts of things. But you get to something like Facebook, how many people is Facebook given jobs to? And yes, they'll spin some statistics about small businesses, blah, blah, blah. blah but either directly or via the direct contractor, how many people has Facebook employed? Nowhere even close to a number per their per their per their their market cap, what they're worth. And why? Because the internet is almost, the internet creates the conditions for businesses that are pure capital and basically no labor. The entire premise of Facebook, the entire premise of Google, the entire premise of Microsoft, three of the top five companies is about investing massive amounts of fixed costs so that you can get pure zero marginal cost product on the backside. And that's, that's, Capital versus labor taken to the extreme, and that's a reality of our industry. And th- we can't pretend that doesn't have an impact on the world, on the politics, on our country. And it, it, again, like we can talk about Facebook and the problems and the impact it might have, but let's not lose let, let's not lose sight of that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, three of the five, and I can't. <sighs> I can't, I'd be willing to take the bet that as as we go forward, that number's only gonna uh, it, it's only gonna go
1: up. Remember, we talked about before, like the sort of like the direct things versus like the, the environmental sort of things and the sins of commission versus the sins of sins of omission. Mm. You have the situation where there are very clear sins of commission in our politics. There is the racism. There is the sexism. There is all these awful things that are rightly that are rightly condemned. But there's also, I think, sins of omission. I think that's what we've been trying to drive at, right? I mean, here's the deal. Humans, the human race kind of sucks. It it just does. We have a history of being tribalistic. We have a history of of being self-interested. We have a history of killing ourselves in stupid wars because we're fighting over stuff, because we feel things are unfair, like all these sorts of things. And... It's we've had so much, we've had peace, relative peace for so long. It's easy to lose sight of just how bad we can be, and it's easy. And part of the human condition is to blame other people. Like, and so you maybe your life is bad, or you don't feel you have good prospects. So you blame the other. You blame Muslims. You blame minorities. Whatever it be. And it, that's bad. Like and I I thought we were queer last week. Apparently we could have been even queer. That's a bad thing. It is a very bad thing. And it should not be praised. There's like <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. But 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 there's the creating of the conditions for that to happen. And that's where given the facts of the industry we work in, we have to think seriously about.
0: I I that's exactly the point that I would want to make like you you talked about scapegoats and again like we got a we got some nice things said to us after last week and we got a we got a bit of pushback as well and one of the things people pushed back on was this notion well it's okay for for you guys as you know two white guys like you're probably going to be okay it's and 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 why haven't you done Uh, Why haven't you done a better job of unpacking like all this terrible stuff that's happening. And and to
1: be fair, there is terrible stuff happening since, since which, this election. Which, ad- which we addressed and linked to. I mean, we're not denying this at all. Not in the slightest. Right. And I mean, I will
0: log onto Facebook and I will see friends on the receiving end of some of this stuff. And it's awful. Like uh, receiving notes on their door talking about how they need to move out of their apartment block because now Trump won and a, no more – Like no more gays or like horrible things happening to to women it's it's like like there's been some horrible stuff unleashed as a result of this but to attribute like you said you talked about scapegoats to attribute this what has happened to those things is to miss the point there's a lot of there's a lot of the the dark elements of human nature floating around over the course of the past week and a half, and probably longer, but it's become it's become much more front and center over the last week and a half. But I think that the the, the point you just made speaks to how uh, it it never goes away entirely. But if you want people to be more open, or you want the sexism and the racism and the homophobia to go away, it's not by walking up to people and calling them sexist or racist or homophobic and demanding. Uh, demanding with moral indignity that it stops. Like this, this starts with people feeling secure in their ability to to, to like they're seeing all these gains. Everybody across the country is seeing. Is is seeing the incredible growth that's happened as a result of the internet, and they're not all feeling like they're part of it. And when you don't feel like you're part of it, you don't feel like you're sharing in the gains that everybody else is getting, you feel left behind, then that's when these darker elements start coming out. And I think that is the, that is the focus that, that, that's the reason why I think we went on this, It's been. I feel like these past two episodes have been a focus on trying to understand the other side. It's, it's that's how you you that's how you solve this. Like it's very easy to articulate all the pain you feel, and everybody on both sides is doing that. But to try and get past this, it requires understanding of how other people are feeling,
1: and that's what I feel that we've tried to focus on. Well, I, I do get the pushback, though, because, I mean, you talked about the idea of being in cities and seeing people that are different than you and how that changes you. The reality is a huge part of America lives in in these rural areas or or exurban areas, like where I, I grew up in a town of 2,000 people, and now my parents live in a town of 10,000, and mm-hmm. a big trip, a big deal is like a trip to Chicago, like two hours away, right? And that's like the extent of their world, and I believe that... That, that's a problem, and the lack of tolerance is a problem, and and I get the irritation and the resentment at the idea that someone who is tolerant and is accepting ought to go out and, and, and understand these people. I think the issue, though, and this is why I, I kind of made this point last week, and I'll double down on it, like there's a self-interest aspect to this. And again, technology isn't necessarily responsible for the way the world is today. I mean, globalization generally, which I guess it's a, it is a technological story in a broader technological sense. I have made this point last week. But going forward, we get think about things like self driving cars. We think about the fact that the biggest companies today, you know, or or like even companies that quote unquote provide employment, like Uber, is all about automatizing the driver and, and making it making him ex, him or her expendable and, and just just a, a cog in the machine the concern is what are the what's the broader conditions that you're creating what what to what extent are we as an industry like facebook where we're creating a void we're creating a void where fake news where terrible stories can come in and can reinforce people's worst impulses we all we all like none of us are none of us are saints and I think if any of us are honest with ourselves, to the extent that I am not racist or the extent that I am not sexist is because I've been blessed to be exposed mm. to more of the world. I've been blessed to understand and appreciate what does structural racism mean? What does it mean to say that I have privilege? Like even when I feel you know life, life's, life's unfair. And you can be – you have a very narrow moral view and say that makes me a good person and other people who don't think that way a bad person. And I'm not going to argue with you, right? I think it is a good thing to <laughs> to be against racism. It's a good thing to acknowledge the structural racism in our country. It's a good thing to, to, to know that the scapegoating of Muslims and <laughs> – Building lists is is a truly horrible and awful idea. Like no, uh, what are we arguing about? We're, we all we all agree with this, but to what extent are we creating the conditions for people to whet their worst impulses that are yes driven by by ignorance, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. To what extent are we creating the conditions for that to? Emerge, And again, I'm not saying you have to go and tell these people, oh, I understand you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your life's hard. Oh, you're right. I should listen. No, we can stand strong and say this stuff's wrong. We can also understand, like study our history, study the history of humanity. The history of humanity is that when people feel they have no, no, no hope, they, they, they blame others. Mm. They scapegoat others. I, or or worse i mean yeah or well, i mean that's where that's where it gets it's, it gets it gets, it gets re- you know really troubling uh whatever
0: i just said woke up um alexa i did, it, it's funny it's you mentioned that i i mean i i think i have and an, the folks listening will have got this perspective of what it was like what it is like living in these environments but there was an article and i really did i didn't like the title of the article but it, it was basically like it was encapsulating a lot of what you've talked about and what you just said then which is it's not it's not the liberals that uh that need to go out and 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 understand more it's the folks who are in these in the center of the country in the red states that live in these rural regions that actually need to understand more and it talked about how like you go into a school in one of these places and it's it's majority-wide and maybe there are some African Americans and there are two Asian folks and and and, and one Muslim and it, it it doesn't surprise me when you start scapegoating people and uh, f- Folks inside these environments don't have. I mean, I, I think about it in terms of that statistic that was thrown around around gay marriage. That the biggest determinant around whether uh, it would be supported or not was whether somebody knew someone else who was gay. And when you don't get exposed to, uh, when you don't get exposed to these different cultures, when someone starts throwing around, uh, when someone starts throwing around this, like you can. Uh, throwing around like let's target this group or this group is to blame it's much easier for that to take root if if people don't know anything but the point you just made then around there are a broader set of conditions that that bring this behavior out in
1: people I think is a and is a really good one. It's just like a uniquely American problem in a way too, because you know the the great promise of this country, and and this is a myth to be clear. Like this is this has not been the lived reality of. of most people in this country if you weren't white and male. But the, the the myth of America is the melting pot and, you know, that anyone can come here and make it and the American dream and the, the city on a hill and all that stuff that drives non-Americans up the wall. Like, which I, I, I get it. But why is that essential? Because like, um, America is never... We're not like... We're all not like... In China, we're all Chinese. We're not like we're all in Japan. We're all Japanese. Like, we're all American and, and we need all we're, all... we're all Americans. What does that mean? Again... Admittedly, 100% true, that has meant white and male by and large. But at least from a sort of like idealistic value perspective, what has tied us together, what has, what has made this whole thing work, is this idea that the American dream, and if you try mm-hmm. hard and pull yourself up by, by, by the bootstraps, and if we are creating an economy where a huge swath of people no longer believe in that dream, what's left? White and male is what's left, right? Like we – we, we it, the, the issue is not that that America – white and males have, have been at the center of America forever. That's true. It is true. But at least we've had that other piece, that more aspirational piece, that piece that has in fits and starts helped us as a country make progress to at least get a little bit better so that the world today in 2016 is a whole lot better if you're a woman than it was 100 years ago and you couldn't even vote. If you're African-American, yes, there's still huge problems, but it's a lot better than it was 150 years ago. If you're gay, it's a lot better than it was 20, 30 years ago. Like, it's, I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying we fixed everything. I'm not, not at all. We have so far to go, but at least we're slowly getting better. Why are we getting better? Because we have that aspiration to the, the, the arc of progress. We believe in it. But if we deny that, and if we, the people that still need to come along, if we deny the carrot what's left what's left is is their identity of being white
0: it's it's funny that we've talked about a lot uh, and it's normally in the context of companies how uh business models and strategies need to f- come together in a uh, uh uniquely cohesive way that that what works well for one organization or one company doesn't necessarily work well for another and it's, it's becoming clear to me in this conversation that this this notion that you are able to tolerate a in, in a society a degree of of higher inequality uh it's that is possible when and, and I mean it's easy to dismiss this stuff as as myth or whatever but it's so important it's like p- particularly w- when there isn't a, when that is the the common thread that ties people together, a belief in this myth, like you're able to tolerate, the society is able to tolerate a higher degree of inequality, given that there's a belief that you can, you yourself can get ahead if you start to work hard. And I think part of what's, part of what's happening is that the business model is, the business model is starting to fray because the, the, the if, if, the the inequality coupled with people starting to no longer believe that in that idea that if i work hard i will get ahead i can it's possible for me to do that it it just becomes this entrenched almost like class system on which p- part of the reason why America was founded was to get away from this in England where you're born in and this is your lot in life. And no matter what happens, that's where you're stuck. Like without the myth and without that economic, uh, economic mobility, that's what you have. And uh, that's, uh, that's, that's not something that I think a lot of Americans particularly feel a, a degree of fondness towards.
1: Yeah. Well, and this is, I mean, this is and it, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's 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 easy to solve. It, it it's hard to solve. Yeah. And just like the Facebook thing's hard to solve, right? I mean, sins of omission are 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 harder to solve than sins of commission, right? If it's sins of commission, stop doing that. It's very hmm. binary, right? If it's a sin of omission, that means you're not doing something you should be doing. But what is that? Like the 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 what Good that thing could be? Loss. well i mean I, I don't know i mean there's there's all problems with all kinds of stuff and and right. and i'm I, I am very much thinking about and devoted to coming up with solutions like that's what i, I try to do that. i don't like just pointing out problems but i think there's an extent to which there needs to be a a a coming to reality problem you know, for, from, the, from the media's perspective, you need to come to reality. of The internet is what it is. We can't go back. You can't say, I mean, we make fun of people saying they want to go back to the 1950s. That's what the half the media wants to do. They want to pretend we go back to the 1950s and like editors are in charge and get to decide what people see. It's over. And we're seeing all the problems now. And so we have to figure out a solution. But that solution has to be predicated on the world as it is, not the world we wish it was or that it used to be. And, and it's the same thing when it comes – like we as an – this is why we're hammering on this. We have to appreciate that we are not – not everything we do by virtue of being in tech is automatically great for the world. There's such an assumption that everything just by virtue of being – coming from San Francisco, it's a good thing. And that's just not true. It's a different thing. But when you break stuff – it's on you to figure out how to build stuff that's better, or else someone else will certainly come along and build something that's worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you build it. it my second it.
0: rant in 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 a row. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, and I mean, I, or, or you build it, and it 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 makes life better for a few folks, but it results in lots of people being left behind like it's it's incumbent on you to make sure that it it like the rising tide lifts all boats or you start to see more of what
1: we've seen the past few weeks yeah and and you can it takes more than attitude of of get someone on top to fix it i mean we like it's vaguely authoritarian to, to say mark zuckerberg should go and make people think better things because that's kind of like that's not far off what people are saying well, it's not far
0: off how people are voting either.
1: I, I know, but that's the thing. Like the 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 human desire for authoritarianism is in all of us, just like racism is in all of us, just like sexism is in all of us. It's like I have a like you talk about white privilege. I have like moral privilege, just by virtue of of seeing so much of the world and meeting all kinds of different people. It's all it, like it's it's unthinkable to me to be. Overtly racist. i I like all of us. I'm sure I've. There's everyone has. I'm not saying I'm, I'm a perfect person, but stop the circle, circular firing squad. Stop trying to prove you're the most perfect person in the world. We gotta, we gotta fix this, and we gotta do it together, and and we gotta do it without tests and without making sure everyone is is perfect along the way. The goal is to always be better. It's not to be the best because no one will ever be the best. We're humans. Where's our aspiration, not just for us, but for every yeah, single person, our fellow people, empathetic aspiration. There we go. I like
0: that. Is that our campaign slogan?
1: <laughs> Apparently, anyhow, because we were recorded twice. My son is now lingering at his at his free school, like way over time. So I got to run. Okay,
0: very good. Uh, we're not going to be recording next week. That's oh, right. Next week,
1: next week, uh, James. I'm thankful for you in, in, in I'm advance. I'm Thankful for you too, Ben. Uh, uh, <laughs>
0: And, and our many conversations, sometimes multiple conversations on one night.
1: And sometimes multiple conversations about Facebook. Um, <laughs> but our thanks to MailChimp uh, for sponsoring Exponent as they do every week. And I will talk to you. I will not talk to you next week uh, uh, on this podcast. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Sounds good. I All will right. speak to you then. Talk to you later.
0: See ya. Right, bye-bye.